Welcome to the Danny Picard Show, Thursday, March 24th, 2016. As always, broadcasting from the Beantown Athletics Studio in Dorchester, Massachusetts. Beantown Athletics, your only source for customized screen printing and embroidery. Go to BeantownAthletics.com right now. That's BeantownAthletics.com or give them a call at 617-282-4181. That's 617-282-4181 and make sure you tell them I sent you. So it is Thursday, which means the NCAA tournament resumes tonight. The Sweet 16, you're going to get four games tonight, four games tomorrow night. And of course, the Elite Eight begins on Saturday. Elite Eight concludes on Sunday. We will know the final four by late Sunday night, early Sunday morning. But the Sweet 16 begins tonight, four games. And if you want to know what four games they are, well, look at your bracket. It's the left side of the bracket. We're going to go all left side of the bracket tonight. The south bracket and the west bracket beginning at 7-10. The three-seed Miami against the two-seed Villanova. And then at 7:37, you got the three-seed Texas A&M against the two-seed Oklahoma. Texas A&M, as you know, it looked like they weren't even going to be in this game. It looked like they were going to lose to the 11-seed Northern Iowa in the last round. But Texas A&M with this historic comeback, what were they down 10 in the last 30 seconds? They come back and win, and now they're going to be playing Oklahoma at 7:37. Then at 9:40. You're going to get the five-seed Maryland against the one-seed Kansas. And at 10.07 tonight, you get the four-seed Duke against the one-seed Oregon. So those are the four games tonight. Now, to close out this show, see, I'm going to give you my picks. I got picks picks today. And I know it's Thursday. And that might not make sense with how I usually do this show and the schedule. Every Friday, I give you a segment that I call Picks Picks. I usually give you five games with the spread. It's more of an NFL creation, right? Because NFL, you know, I do it every Friday for the Sunday games, sometimes with the Monday Night Football game. With the NFL being over, I have I have gone into other sports. Mostly I've done basketball with the NBA, and I've had some very bad weeks with the NBA since the NFL season ended, but I've also had some very good weeks. I've actually had a perfect NBA week a couple weeks ago. Now, I didn't give you anything last week because I was not here. Obviously, I was on vacation. I am back, but I am recording tomorrow's podcast, Friday's podcast, tonight. Will Noonan, comedian Will Noonan, will join me in studio. It's always a great show when he is on, but we're recording that tonight, and I'm releasing it tomorrow morning, the late tonight, early tomorrow morning, so I will not be in here tomorrow to make my picks, and I'm certainly not going to make them when Will is in studio with me. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a very rare Thursday edition of Picks Picks. And I'm going to mix it up a little bit too because it's not going to be five games with the spread. As you know, if you listen to me this week, I was gone all last week. I was in the Dominican. I had, there was minimal service, minimal Wi-Fi. You know, it said you had full Wi-Fi in your phone, but it really never worked. There was like one little spot where it would work. And even then wasn't that good. So I, I had a very tough time paying attention to any games that were going on. And I didn't see a single game in the NCAA tournament so far. And that's never happened to me. I'm usually very involved in this and breaking the brackets down. But I was on my way to the Dominican as the Selection Sunday show was taking place. So I didn't even see the Selection Sunday show. 
I didn't even know the fucking bracket. I printed out a bracket today. And I printed it out with the Sweet 16 set. And I filled out the rest of it. So what I'm going to do with Picks Picks at the end of the show today is I'm going to give you my the rest of my bracket, breaking down just the final 16 teams and giving you all the way to the national championship game and giving you my national champion. That's going to be this week's edition of Picks Picks. Like I said, because Will Noonan joins me in studio tonight, and I'll give that to you tomorrow for tomorrow's podcast. Uh, so that's what we got going on today and tonight. Last night, I told you it was a big night for people here in Boston with regards to uh, hockey and basketball teams. The Bruins in the NHL and the Celtics in the NBA. Let's begin with the Bruins. Now, I'm not going to spend too much time on the Bees because they're back in action tonight against the Florida Panthers. Now, the Bruins lose last night to the Rangers 5-2 to at Madison Square Garden. It marks the Bruins' fourth straight loss. They won on the West Coast. They lost all three of those games on the West Coast against some tough teams. Uh, They come back to the East Coast. They're on the road, which has been a good place for them this season. All right, forget about the West Coast trip. You go to New York last night. You take on the Rangers. Uh, The Rangers are a very good team, and they're obviously a team that's going for it this season. You see the the Eric Stahl trade. Uh, They have a goaltender in Lundqvist who could very well carry them to La Coupe Stanley. Okay, they could. Last night, so that's a very good team last night. And the Bruins go into that building. I didn't feel bad about this game. I, didn't, I wasn't scared of this game, but it's a huge game because the Bruins, there's no, no playoff spot is guaranteed for them. We went over this yesterday. They lose this game last night. Now, Tuka Rask going in, we knew he was sick. He lets up two goals in the first period. Power, both were power play goals. And by the way, Keith Yandel, just you see how nasty he is. Uh, buddy of mine, uh, you know, you've you've seen the street hockey video, 363, the road to the Celtic three-on-three. If you haven't, I don't know. I honestly don't know what the fuck you're waiting for. Please go watch it because it's not just Yandel in it. It's also Jimmy Hayes who plays for the Boston Bruins. So go watch it. It's on YouTube. Search it. 363, the road to the Celtic three-on-three. It's 36 minutes long. It's going to be worth your time. All right? I think it's got like 50,000 views. You might say, well, that's not that much. Well, I would say that, you know, um, based on it, the fact that it was just me and one other person putting it together, that's, that's a whole lot of views. But if you haven't seen it, you got to go check it out. Uh, Keith Yandel, though, he is, you see how good he is with the puck. And he showed you that last night, uh, the way he can move that, the vision on the ice, and the speed that he brings along with it. He had a great night last night for the Rangers. And the Rangers get two power play goals in the first period. And Tuka Rask was in net. He was under the weather. He gets pulled after the first period. Now, I don't know that he was in the dressing room throwing up. I don't even know how bad the illness was. But I do think that maybe it was a good decision. If you're Claude Julien, if you're thinking, hey, we got a game tomorrow night that's just as big. And I'm not saying he threw in the towel on this game last night. I'm telling you that if you wanted to take that mindset of, We'd like Tuka in that at home tomorrow night against Florida. I'm okay with it. I'm okay with that. I really am. Uh, because as, as ugly as maybe this was last night, you know, it was just tough penalty calls against the Bruins. The officials were terrible last night, uh, especially the Krejci penalty. And, and Claude Julien after the game said it was bullshit. And it was a bullshit call. I mean, it was tough officiating last night. 
They made some awful penalty calls on the Bruins, I thought. And the reviews hurt the Bruins as well. Even though I do think the re- I think they got it right. I think they got the, the reviews right last night on, on the Bruins' goals that were called back. The offside and then the one that Lundqvist had his glove on the puck and did it go over the goal line, did it not. I Look, I think the refs got it right. I'm not going to lie to you. But last night, with all those things combined, Rask gets pulled after the first period. Gustafson comes in for the second period and the rest of the game. The Bruins lose 5-2. They here's what they got to do. You just got to move on from that game because you now play tonight another playoff caliber team in the Florida Panthers. In fact, if the playoffs began today, the Bruins and the Panthers are playing in the first round and game one's in Florida. You know, I think the only bad thing that, that you have right now with, for the Bruins in this game tonight is that it's at home and the Bruins have been terrible at home. 16 wins, 16 losses. And, and six, those are 16 in regulation, five overtime losses. So 16, 16, and five. The Bruins, if, if, they're, they're, they're not good at home. You know that if you watch them. So I don't know how comfortable you feel in this one tonight. But instead of overreacting to a loss last night in which the officiating was terrible and you get some, some bad luck with regards to reviews, not going your way, uh, you, can, you can forget about that. You have to forget about that. You got to move on in the night. Because this is now, you're getting into playoff hockey. You're getting into playoff hockey. What do you got? Eight games left? Something like that? I mean, this is it. This is the playoff run. Now, Detroit, they are in, oh no, they are at home tonight against Montreal. And Detroit should be able to win that game. Okay? Detroit has 83 points. That's the team behind you that you got to look out for. The Bruins have 86 points. You know, if the Bruins lose tonight, and the Red Wings win, all of a sudden, the Red Wings are one point behind you with about seven games to play. In fact, the Red Wings have, I think, nine games left. So they have a chance to even win a couple more and get some more points on you. And at that point, all of a sudden, you're looking at Philly and the Islanders in the wild card spot. So the, this is a huge game for the Bruins tonight. I know I said last night was huge. Okay, you lost it. How much do you want to sit there and hop on that loss based on the way they lost it? I don't think you can. You know, we maybe you want to as a, as a fan. Maybe I want to as a fan. But even, you know what? Even as a fan, I kind of want to move on to tonight. You have to. The team has to. This group has to. In that room, they got to say, hey, this, this is the one we got to focus on. Forget about last night. Because if you win tonight, what did last night mean? Eh, not, not much. You got to turn it around quickly tonight. So the Bruins play the Panthers, uh, and, and I will watch that. And, you know, the Bruins will we'll get back to them next week, the next couple weeks, because this is a serious playoff race. And, I mean, this is a playoff game tonight. You might want to consider this game one of that eventual Bruins-Panthers series. I think if you're the Bruins, you've got to handle it that way. you got to. This is a playoff game for the Bruins tonight against the Florida Panthers. So, Keep an eye on it. Last night, also the Celtics. And I told you I was going to have the remote in my hand, flipping back and forth. The Celtics started a half hour earlier than the Bruins. It wasn't, I, I think the timing wasn't great with commercials and intermissions, but it was good enough. It was good enough for me to see most of both of these games. The Celtics last night, much better night for them than the Bruins had. The Celtics were at home. They defeat the Toronto Raptors 91-79. to It's the first time this year that the Celtics have beaten the Toronto Raptors, right? They lost the previous three games to them. 
Uh, it should be noted that Kyle Lowry did not play for Toronto. He is one of their best players. Also should be noted for the Celtics, uh, Jay Crowder did not play for the Celtics. He is still out. Now, Crowder is going to travel with the Celtics on their upcoming West Coast trip, and the Celtics have a tough schedule there on the West Coast. But, uh, you know, what they did last night against this Toronto team is very intriguing because the Raptors are the two-seed the Celtics move up to the fourth seed. You could you could see yourself playing Toronto in the playoffs. I think it's very reasonable to make that comment right now. The Celtics now have 42 wins, 30 losses. So they have 10 games left to play. And the story of this game last night, to me, was once again, Evan Turner finds himself smack dab in the middle of of a Celtics run in which they took over the game. I mean, this there is no coincidence here that Evan Turner is always on the floor when the Celtics are either pulling away from a team or coming back and making it a game. Always. He has to be on the floor. He has to be. So Evan Turner is having a heck of a season. and, And I think the credit is starting to come. Yeah, you're gonna get. They're gonna get in this conversation this this off season. You know, do you bring him back? Do you not? I don't. I think it's too early to have that conversation because I don't know what his mindset is. I don't know what he's gonna be asking for. I mean, if he wants to go out, take advantage of this big year, and and make some money, you know, go do that. Be my guest. I mean, I I, I actually I'd be doing that if I were him. Right? How many more chances are you gonna get? Because he could go somewhere. And it might not be the same atmosphere that this Celtics team has right now, whether it's in a locker room or on the court with this coach. And it might be a different story. And maybe he reverts back to what you saw with him with the 76ers. I don't know. But I will say this. Uh, He has every right in the world to go take advantage of what he's doing this year on the open market and trying to make some money. Now, are the Celtics going to be a team to give him that money? I'm not so sure. I, because, again, I don't know what he's looking for. The Celtics, not, look, Turner's not a max contract guy. And I've actually had people calling to me on WEI wondering if, if he would ask for that. And I'd laugh. I mean, no. But I've also said, I hope he thinks he's a max contract guy because if his agent's going around looking for a max contract, that means teams are going to laugh at them. And, and maybe Evan Turner will, would come back down to earth and, and maybe you could get him at a decent price. If it's a decent price... I would pay the money to keep Evan Turner around. He plays and he's playing inspired basketball and and I think he's bought into this system. He's bought into this team and the team's bought into him. They need him. This is a team that needs Evan Turner on the court. If they either A want to come back in a game in which they're trailing or B pull away from a team, a good team like Toronto in a close game in their own building or on the road, doesn't matter. Evan Turner is always smack dab in the middle, making plays. He was passing the ball magically last night. He had seven assists. I thought he, I was surprised to see he only had seven assists. I thought he had like 25 fucking assists last night. 17 points for Evan Turner, uh, 33 minutes. He's in the starting lineup because Jay Crowder is injured. Uh, but you know how I feel about Evan Turner, and this goes back to last year. I've been, I've been praising this kid ever since last year, and there were a lot of people that wanted to tell me that I was nuts. I think you're starting to see some people come around. I, I still don't think the credit is is as good as it should be that he's getting, 
but but people are starting to come around on him. And, and the more people watch, and the more people pay attention maybe late in the season, this could be another exciting late-season run here for the Celtics. The more you'll see, once again, that Evan Turner is the guy that I think keeps this team going to the point where I've said many times this season, I think he's the best player on the team because he is versatile, because he is someone that that is always in the middle of these runs that this team goes on. It's no coincidence there. No coincidence. Evan Turner has been a major impact player for this Celtics team this year. Now, I'm not trying to take away from what Isaiah Thomas does because you know Isaiah Thomas is is a scorer. He gets to the hole at will, and he puts in shots when he's driving to the basket that you wonder how he even, how he even got it up in the air in the first place, how he even got the shot off. And lately, he's been passing the ball like, he made a pass last night late, driving baseline, sort of kicked it out. I mean, that was as filthy a pass as I've seen. I know he's made a couple nasty passes this year. I don't think that pass he made last night got enough credit. Threading the needle. I think he left-handed it around a guy and threw another guy. It was like a curveball he threw. It was pretty filthy. And obviously, I understand what Isaiah Thomas means to this team, and he is an all-star and all that. But Evan Turner... I, I do feel like this team relies on him to 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 go on these runs and pull away from teams or or come back against teams that they're trailing. I, I think they rely on him just as much, if not more, than Isaiah Thomas. I really do. So, uh, Celtics win last night, 91-79, and a big night for the Seas. You look at the numbers in this game. Amir Johnson's getting more minutes now, 34 minutes last night. He had 14 rebounds. 11 points. Sullinger had 9 points, 11 rebounds. He, he hit a couple big shots early on uh, from outside. And even Tommy Heinsohn said it. He said, if that can be a consistent weapon for Sullinger, man, it makes him that much more dangerous. But here's the problem. It's just not consistent. And that's why, at the end of the day, I, I, I don't really feel too comfortable with him taking that shot, even though he hit it a couple times last night, but at the end of the day, Selinger ends up 3-for-12 from the field. Uh, Selinger with only 9 points, but he did grab 11 rebounds, and Isaiah Thomas, 23 points last night. That's the norm for him. Celtics win. They beat the Raptors, and now, what, they go on the West Coast, and speaking of West Coast, the Golden State Warriors last night, they defeat the LA Clippers, and this is the NBA story. This is the big NBA story. As much as maybe LeBron is trying to steal the spotlight from the the top NBA storyline, and he is trying to do that, and I'll get to that story in just a second. The Golden State Warriors last night with a win over the Clippers. They now have 11 games left. You know what they're trying to do, all right? You know what they're trying to do. They have 64 wins on the season, and they're trying to set the new single-season win total which is held by the Chicago Bulls, 72 wins, okay? You don't need me to remind you of that. But the Warriors, here's how you break this down. They must now win to get to 73 wins. That's the target. They must win nine of their last 11 here to set that new record. Now, a good thing for Golden State, eight of those last 11 are at home. And they do not lose at home. I'll, I'm going to, so let me just go with this. They play at home against Dallas, at home against Philly, at home against Washington, at Utah, at home against the Celtics, at home against Portland, at home against Minnesota, at home against San Antonio, at Memphis, 
at San Antonio, and then at home against Memphis. Uh, where I I find it interesting here is late in the season, Memphis, you know, they'll be they're in the playoffs. They'll be battling for a certain playoff spot. But also, you get those couple games against San Antonio, and those are obviously not easy games, as we've seen when San Antonio and Golden State, uh, when they play. But on this schedule that I just read you for Golden State, it when 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 you look at a game that jumps off the screen, in which I say it could be must-see TV, Friday, April 1st, 10.30 Eastern Time, the Boston Celtics in Golden State on ESPN, a Friday night, you know the, the game the Celtics gave them when, they, when Golden State came to the Garden earlier this season. And you look at it, you wonder, well, if, if maybe a team like Dallas can give Golden State a run for their money, and I say if, I don't actually believe they will. Like, I do think Golden State's going to beat Dallas, beat Philly, beat Washington, beat Utah, and then play the Celtics. You know what? They'll probably beat the Celtics, too. Like, I think Golden State's going to get this record, but the Celtics could be the team that makes it interesting as Golden State then would have to play two against San Antonio and two against Memphis, right? And, and another one right after the Celtics against a scrappy Portland Trailblazers team. So this isn't going to be easy for Golden State, and perhaps the Celtics, if they could get some magic and play like they played against them in the last game, perhaps the Celtics could make this awfully interesting here moving forward because Golden State, they must win nine of their last 11 to set that new record. That Celtics game on Friday, April 1st is going to be must-see TV. It is. And if the Celtics end up somehow winning that, well, all of a sudden, the, the, next, the Sunday night following that against Portland, that's also going to be must-see TV. And then you get the two San Antonio games. Uh, this, this is going to heat up. This is the top storyline. All eyes are on Golden State. I think they'll do it, but it's going to be exciting. Even though I, I do think they're going to do it, and a lot of people think they will. Uh, they, they're going to go for it, obviously. But that should be really the biggest storyline as before the playoffs, before we head into the playoffs. Someone trying to steal the spotlight from that is one LeBron James. Now, to nobody's surprise that LeBron James is trying to steal the spotlight. To nobody's surprise whatsoever. Is the top story on ESPN right now, well, I shouldn't say story. They have the feature story on ESPN.com that they always give you, right? That little feature story. And then they have that top headlines on the right. The top headline on the right. This is, this is what it says. You can't, I mean, honestly, you honestly can't make it up. It says, quote, LeBron Ponda's super team with Mellow, CP3, and Wade. <laughs> that's, that's what it says. LeBron Ponda's super team with Mellow, CP3, and Wade. Now, before you even click the link to this story, the question I ask myself is, First of all, you kind of got a super team with you right now in Cleveland. You got Kyrie Irving and you got Kevin Love. Let's not act like you're not playing with all-star caliber players. You are. And, and you know what? This stuff, not only does this make LeBron look bad, this is making someone like me look really bad. Because I defend LeBron. And I've defended LeBron in the past. I can't, I, I have not been able to defend him as much this year. I haven't. 
Because right now, he's just looking like a clown. Keep in mind, before he went back home to Cleveland, he was playing with the Miami Heat. You want to talk about super teams? LeBron, Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh. That was the super team. Remember? They were up on stage like it was fucking WrestleMania, and they were counting down how many championships they were going to win, and then LeBron ran back home to Cleveland, right? Remember that? But he had the super team in Miami. But now he's in Cleveland with a potential super team, and he's telling you he wants to one day play with another super team. That's what he's telling you. Um, I, I, I just... I don't understand why he is even talking about this when his team right now is the first place team in the Eastern Conference of 51 wins. They're going to get back to the finals. I mean, does anybody believe that Cleveland's not going to get back to the NBA finals? Does anybody believe that? Who's Who in the East is going to be Cleveland this year? Who? Somebody tell me. You think Toronto's going to be Cleveland? You think t- the Toronto... Look, they're good. DeRozan's an all-star. Lowry, he didn't play last night. But he's an all-star as well. They're a good team. <laughs> People try to tell me they're deeper than they are, but they're not going to be Cleveland. You think Atlanta is going to be Cleveland? Come on. Come on. Celtics are not beating Cleveland. The Miami Heat are not beating Cleveland. Charlotte, Indiana, Detroit. If Chicago gets in, if the Wizards get in, nobody's beating Cleveland, folks. The Cavaliers are going back to the finals. And if you forget about last year's finals, well, let me refresh your memory. Everybody's talking about how great Golden State is. Okay, fine. Last year in the finals, LeBron James was playing. It was basically, it was like LeBron and, and Della Vidova. Remember that? There was no Irving. He got hurt. There was no Kevin Love. He was out. He got hurt in the first round. LeBron by himself won two games against the Golden State Warriors in the NBA Finals. Can you imagine what Cleveland would be like in that series if they had Irving and Love? Come on now. Uh, the, the Cavaliers have a chance. They're going to get to the finals. They're going to have a chance to win it all. I don't care if it's against Golden State. I don't care if it's against San Antonio. I mean, I still think people are overlooking San Antonio to the point where that scares the, that would scare the living daylights out of me if, if, if I'm a Golden State fan. Because it feels like San Antonio is just never getting the... They just... They don't get... The publicity, they don't get the credit. People seem to just forget about them. They, that's, when when you talk about the Spurs, don't forget that they have 60 wins this season. Don't forget that the Spurs, oh, Golden State's 33-0 and all at home this year? You know what San Antonio is? 36-0 and all at home. <laughs> 36-0 all at home. Um, the Spurs are deep. The Spurs have done spur-like things this year when it comes to resting guys in meaningless games and them still winning those games. The Spurs are going to come into the playoffs knowing that they're an underdog, an underdog that maybe this will be their first home loss will be on Sunday, April 10th against Golden State. Maybe it won't. Maybe they'll beat Golden State in that game. But my point is this, for all the talk about Cleveland's definitely coming out of the East, and I told you I believe that, in the West, I think we're looking at this Golden State run and we're saying, okay, they're also going to be there, and people are sleeping on a team like San Antonio. 
And that's probably a bad thing to do. Because San Antonio, at the end of the day, they know that you're sleeping on them. And I think that motivates them even more. It does. They're an underdog that is probably, no, not probably, definitely a top three team in the league. And maybe even, they might even be the best team in the league, for crying out loud. Right? You can make that argument. How deep they actually are. Some of the moves that they made this past offseason. But whoever it is in the West, it's going to be Cleveland in the East. And so if you're LeBron James and you got this team that has a chance to, to win it all this year, why is it right now in the month of March you are out talking about super teams? Why? I don't get it. And, and, and look, I've defended LeBron, but this doesn't make sense to me. A lot of things he's done this year doesn't make sense to me. People, you know, cryptic tweets unfollowing his own team, the Cavaliers on Twitter. Just just get, just don't go on Twitter. And if you do want to, you don't have to unfollow them. Just mute them. And don't get, so don't get upset when you have to answer questions about why you unfollowed the Cavaliers on Twitter. Because in this day and age in which Twitter is such an important thing in the media, I think that's, an, that's actually a, a shady thing to do. I really, I, I don't want to over... I don't overreact to stuff like this, but I mean, why? I, I guess, why are you doing it? Why are you making this story about you? Why won't you just go the sac? The, excuse me, the Senate, the Sacramento Kings way. Yeah, go, don't go the Sacramento Kings way. Uh, I got my S's mixed up there. Go the San Antonio Spurs way. You know what that is? Fly under the radar. Don't don't have anybody talking about you. Let everybody talk about the other teams, right? Let the talking heads in the NBA world talk about how good the Raptors are. Let them talk about how good the Celtics are with how much fight that they show. Let them talk about, you know, a a team like the Miami Heat. Can they go out and make a run without LeBron? Let them talk about those teams. Let them talk about Golden State's record. Let them talk about Steph Curry's shoe deal. Let them talk about uh, where's Durant going to be playing next year. Fly under the radar. That's the San Antonio style. Why wouldn't LeBron want to do that? Just do it once. Because you got a team that's going to championship this year. And if you're LeBron, that should be all, all this should be about is championships. He has permanent real estate in the NBA Finals. Okay? But the more real estate that you own there, uh, that, that, doesn't, that doesn't make you the best of all time, and I think LeBron want doesn't he want to be that? I think he does. You got to win some more championships. You do. You got to win some more. But but right now you're just being a distraction. This is just distracting stuff. So when he comes out and says he he wants to create one day a super team with Mellow, CP3, and Wade, and you actually click on the story, here's a quote from LeBron. He says, "Quote: I would actually take a pay cut to do that." End quote. I mean, (laughs) then you throw your hands up and you go, I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't know why he's doing this. His coach, Tyron Lue, had to talk to him after the game the other night because at at half court, at halftime, he was talking with Dwayne Wade, a guy on the other team. We get it, LeBron. You're friends with Dwayne Wade. You guys are friends. There's a time and a place. He traveled down to Miami for a couple off days. A couple weeks ago, none of it makes sense. It's all unnecessary bullshit that you should be doing everything in your power to avoid. And to be honest, it wouldn't be hard to avoid it. But yet, he just can't do it. 
and I can't really, you know, I sometimes think of theories, you know, is he trying to motivate his own team? I don't even know. I don't know what this is. I don't, I honestly don't have an answer for it. It's down, here's what it is, actually. It's stupidity. More than anything else, it's downright stupidity. Yet, LeBron keeps doing it. So, I think he and the Cavaliers can go without this story about him wanting a super team with Melo, CP3, and Wade. Does this mean one of those guys ends up on the Cavs? I mean, I don't know. I really don't. But what LeBron should be focused on are the teammates he has right now, which which could be considered a super team with Love and Irving. Come on now. Pay attention to the guys you got. And one day, you know, he can opt out if he wants after this year. But that's after this year. Pay attention to what you got right now. We'll see if he does. But that's what's going on in the association. Uh, Major League Baseball. Yes, the regular season. We need to get there. I'm done with spring training storyline. Done with them. Done with them. There are some with the Red Sox. I'm going to have to get to them. Because some of important to the point where I think there's some overreaction. Uh, but first and foremost, yesterday, so I, I finished recording yesterday's podcast. And, you know, you get your headlines. You, there's always, like, the headline that breaks right after you're done recording and you're like, ah, oh, shit. You know, I could have talked about that yesterday on what maybe was considered a slow day, right? You wish you had it a little bit earlier. I don't want to sit around and wait all day to record this podcast. But... That's the story. Like a day yesterday, like I did more Deflategate. I'm tired of Deflategate. Like Goodell talked yesterday, and I I gave you some of his quotes, and I reacted to it. I'm not going to lie. I started listening to Goodell yesterday, and I I just, I had to stop. I couldn't listen anymore because I'm I'm done with Deflategate. I know we have to keep talking about some of the breaking news that we get, but when it comes to the everyday conversation for for an hour like i can't do that anymore and goodell is someone that i just can't listen to cuz he's full of shit the guy's full of shit and and i just can't take him seriously i think he's a buffoon at the same time he thinks he's the smartest guy in the room but everybody else in the room knows that he's a buffoon and he's full of shit everybody knows it yet he still plays it off cuz he knows he's just going to the bank uh, you know, cash, cashing his checks, making his money. At the end of the day, that's all he really cares about. And so I can't even listen to the guy anymore. And so I'm not going to do Deflategate today. But yesterday when we did Deflategate, the minute you, the minute you stop recording the podcast to get a storyline that you wish you had like an hour before, that story is this baseball storyline. Alex Rodriguez, he says he will retire. He announces he will retire after the 2017 season, which is not this season, as you know, but after next season. So A-Rod's going to play this year, he's going to play next year, and then he's done. Then he's done after that. And I know some people might think, oh, well, you let David, you know, you let Jeter get his farewell tour. Then you get David Ortiz get his farewell tour next year, and now you want yours after them. You know there's people who think that. And guess what? At first, I thought that too, just for a minute. But then I went and looked at his contract. A-Rod's 10-year, $275 million deal is up in, after 2017. And uh, that's it. His contract's up, and he's looking at it. What, 41, 42 years old? I think he's had a Hall of Fame career. Obviously, the steroids. We know. He admitted to it. Then he lied again. Then he got caught. 
there was probably a whole lot more in between. But if you listen to me, you know how I feel about the steroid guys in, in the PED era. He said, I don't even know when the PED era began. I don't even, I don't think we have the exact timeline. We might think we have the exact timeline, but we don't know. We don't know. You think, what, there's guys in the Hall of Fame that didn't use PEDs? Come on. That never been linked? Come on. You and me, you know that that is not true. Guys, right? There are guys in the Hall of Fame who have used performance-enhancing drugs. I, I, you know, for me to sit and point the finger, pick and choose, I, we don't know all the facts. We don't know all the guys who are doing it. We consider it an error because you consider something an error when there's a lot of people doing something. And there were a lot of people doing something. And we don't know everybody. So the way I look at it is, the guys who have the best numbers are going in. And there's a lot of guys that you can make the case they were Hall of Fame players and they put up Hall of Fame numbers before they even got caught doing anything. Before they even got caught. And I put Clemens in that category. I even put Bonds in that category. You want to put A-Rod in that category? Fine. A-Rod has put up Hall of Fame numbers. I would put him in. But that maybe is for a different time. I don't want to go all Hall of Fame argument right now. A-Rod is going to retire after 2017 because his... 10-year, $275 million contract is up. The final year of that deal is next year in 2017. And the question has been asked, is he, should he get a farewell tour? Should A-Rod get a farewell tour? I, what I want you to do is, and, and if I have a lot of people who listen to me from the Boston, New England area, or who are Red Sox fans who do not live in New England, who listen to me and want to get a taste of, of Boston by listening to me. And I get that a lot, that people outside of the area listen to me because they want a taste of what's going on back home. And believe me, I appreciate that. And um, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful that you would listen to me when you're not in Boston. And uh, I hope I do give you that taste of what's going on back home, even if I do give you a national perspective on a national storyline. But what I want you to do is, if you are a Red Sox fan, if you are a Boston fan, a New England fan, what I want you to do is, I want you to take off your Red Sox hat for a minute, okay? And, well, in fact, you know what? Put it back on. Put it back on. Put your Red Sox hat back on. I want to take you back to a time, and maybe this is just going to, I'm just trying to set you up here, but but we might as well talk about it since we're talking about A-Rod. Let's go back to a time uh, before the 2004 season, after 2003. Right, the Grady Little debacle. Uh, <laughs> you know how that one goes. Right? Aaron Boone. You know, all right, forget about that. We're moving on. That offseason, you're going into 2004. I don't know if you followed this storyline as much as I followed it, but the A-Rod to the Red Sox trade rumors from Texas to Boston, A-Rod from Texas to the Red Sox, a deal that was Agreed to, then it was dead, then it was alive, then it was dead, then it was alive, then it was dead again, and you're like, all right, it's dead for good. Then all of a sudden, a month later, it's alive because A-Rod's trying to pay money under the table to, to, the, to the owner of the Texas Rangers. Who is it? Uh, Hicks? Gene Hicks, is that his name? And then Gene Orza stepped in and said, no, 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 no. They agreed to the deal. He stepped in and said, you can't do that. That's against the rules. You can't give money under the table to an owner to make a deal happen. And, and the thing fell through. And all of a sudden, the Yankees came in the back door. They saw these two teams working on this deal. The Yankees said, okay, here's what we're going to do. And they made the deal happen. Because at that point, 
A. Rodgers couldn't go back to Texas. He had to go somewhere. The Red Sox and the Rangers couldn't agree. Yankees snuck in. They stole A-Rod. To the point where A-Rod, he wanted to go to the Red Sox. He wanted to so bad. And I wanted him. I wanted A-Rod. A-Rod to that point, when he was, what, from Seattle to Texas, he was my favorite player in the league. He was. He was my. So I should preface all this, uh, you know, should he get the farewell tour by telling you, A-Rod was my favorite player in the league. Now, I obviously have a tough time. I'm not, I'm not rooting for him in pinstripes. It's just not going to happen. I don't care if you're my favorite player or not. That feeling changes once you throw on the pinstripes. There's no question about it. Um, you know, do I respect the numbers you put up? Of course I do. But once you put on the pinstripes, eh, uh, you know, I'm not rooting for you anymore, obviously. But A-Rod, at his press conference with the Yankees, he's standing there in pinstripes with a Yankee hat on, talking to the media. And this was his quote. He said, I feel like I had one foot, one leg, in a Red Sox uniform. And he did. And I felt like he had it too. I, and I, was, I wanted it to happen. And he, because he wanted to come to the Red Sox so badly, he was willing to pay money under the table. It was like, some, like $15 million under the table to the Texas Rangers owner to say, hey, take this. Make it happen. I want to go to Boston. And, and I wanted to see it happen, too. I think people forget that, how badly he wanted to come play for the Red Sox. But, all right, that said, take your Red Sox cap off now. Take your Red Sox cap off. And uh, forget that he played for the Yankees. Look at the guy's career. I know, you know, maybe if you're a diehard anti-steroid guy, I think you need to relax a little bit. And, and maybe I'm never going to be able to convince you if you're just diehard against the steroid guys. But I'm going to tell you that I think when the question's asked, does A-Rod deserve a farewell tour in 2017? I think he does. I think he, I think he should get it. I think he should get applauded in the stadiums that he goes to. Now, there's going to be players that don't like it. There's going to be players that don't like it. I think those players, though, should shut the fuck up and worry about themselves and worry about the guys in their own clubhouse who were taking steroids, right? Because even guys that speak out and say, well... This guy did that. This guy did the other thing. How am I supposed to believe you? Almost every guy that's ever been caught has lied about it. So, and guys have tried to get on top of it before they get caught and say, oh, I can't believe he would do that. Next thing you know, that guy is in some investigation. So, you know what they say. Those who live in glass houses, okay, let's not... Let's not come out and criticize A-Rod, and, and what I want you to do is just be quiet. But I do believe, even though these, some of these plays might not like it, A-Rod should get the farewell tour treatment. Might not be a popular opinion in this town. I understand that. But I'm telling you, take your Red Sox hat off for a second. I am. I mean, the guy arguably has been one of the best players to ever play the game from Seattle to when he went to Texas, even, you know, some things that he did with the Yankees. And uh, I I do believe he is the type of player, the big-name player, has put up the big numbers, the legendary type player that should get the farewell tour. I do. I I, I think he deserves it. There's a lot of guys that would want it. There's a lot of guys that that didn't get it. There's a lot of guys that took steroids that that don't get it because they couldn't put up the numbers that A-Rod put up, even though they were taking the same stuff. 
Um, I know you didn't want to get it, didn't think I was getting into steroid talk today in Major League Baseball. And believe me, I don't really want to. But A-Rod comes out and says he's going to retire after 2017. And, and as much as you might hate the guy, the guy has put up legendary numbers. Hall of Fame numbers. And if next year is going to be his last year in 2017, and these guys who are legends, they get these farewell tours, I think A-Rod deserves one. I do. Um, that said, you can put your Red Sox cap back on because it's time to talk about some Red Sox baseball here in Boston. Pablo Sandoval has been sidelined. He's out a few days with lower back tightness after making a dive and play on Tuesday. John Farrell has said this is going to be a day-to-day thing. And you know the drama that's surrounded... You know, it's been all... Pablo Sandoval has been in the news since the minute he showed up looking like a fat slob. He's been in the news. And and he he didn't necessarily do things to take him out of the news because when he showed up looking like a fat slob, his first press conference, he told us that he did not have anything to prove and that he never weighed himself all offseason. Those are the worst two things that you could have possibly said. I mean, I, I think he actually was being honest. Yeah, you, we can't crush him for being honest. For, for lying. He wasn't lying. He was being truthful. He's sitting there going, I just showed up to spring training. Yeah, I didn't weigh myself. You know why? I don't have anything to prove. I got three world championships. I'm a World Series MVP. I've proven that I produce when it means the most in the postseason. Yeah, I signed a big contract, but leave me alone. I'll, I'll come through. I'm a pro ball player. I know how to handle a season. I know how to handle the playoffs, too. Just look at my resume. You know, I think that's how he felt. But given how bad he was last year, and this is a new team, and this is a different city to play in, there's New York, there's Boston, and then there's everywhere else. This is different. When you suck as bad as you sucked last year, and you show up looking like that, and you show up saying those things, we're going to jump all over you. I do not think that's an overreaction. It's not an overreaction. You can't say those things because you do have something to prove here. When you're that bad last year, you absolutely have something to prove this year. No question. Um, and <laughs> now throughout spring training, there are these questions about a competition at third base. Hanley, I guess people have been watching him at first. I guess he's tackled this position to the point where people think it might not be as big a disaster as, as someone like myself still thinks it might be. I need to see regular season baseball, and I need to see it for 162, all right? I'm not going to take Grapefruit League games where everybody's laughing, having a good time, to mean that Hanley Ramirez has mastered the position. Like, I'm just not going to do that. And I, I, I hear some people talk about it, and I guess I wonder, when are we going to learn that spring training results are meaningless in, 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 in a certain way? But... We'll wait and see on the Hanley stuff. On the Pablo side of things, look, the, the Red Sox, they're not hiding from the fact that tr- they understand what Travis Shaw is. They understand that he swings a big stick. They understand he plays solid defense. They understand that he's a guy that can put balls in the seats that was a productive player for them last year at the plate. Uh, they want that in their lineup. They, they've, they've let it be known. They want that in their lineup. They cannot have it every day. They also know that. They also know that depth is a good thing. And I guess at this stage, 
A competition isn't a bad thing. So they've sort of created a competition by letting it be known that Travis Shaw, they are going to try to get him some regular at-bats. And they're putting him at different positions. All right? Now, I don't know that you want to put him at first base right now because if you have committed to Hanley at first, you can't trade him, and you've committed to him, and you want his bat in the lineup. Hanley needs all the reps at first as he can get, right? That he can get. All the reps that he can get. You don't take him out and put Travis Shaw there. As much as maybe deep down inside they'd like to have him there, they can't have him there. Hanley needs to get all the reps. Um, and if Pablo is maybe showing you that he's not putting in the full effort or, or that he does have this attitude, which he said he doesn't have anything to prove, well, maybe you, you use this time to give him a kick in the ass. Say, all right, competition. Now, to be honest, I, I have not heard anybody say, Pablo versus Travis Shaw competition at third. Like, I haven't heard that direct quote yet. So I do think we're sort of putting pieces together to come to that conclusion. But the pieces are out there. I don't know that I want to put them together to the point where I think there's an actual competition, Travis Shaw versus Pablo Sandoval. But again, they've made no mistake. They want a spot for Travis Shaw. Where do you put him? You know, outfield is tight as well. Because you also have Chris Young, who rakes against lefties. And, and so maybe, you know, Travis Shaw is someone who could play the outfield too at some point, and maybe he's a utility guy. You give someone a day off or two. Um, it, there's, there's ways to go about it. I, people have tried to make this controversial. I told you yesterday, I'm not going to do that. I think depth is a good thing. The stuff that we did at the beginning of spring training with Pablo and Hanley, I don't think that was an overreaction because I think they did and said all the wrong things to begin the year on the wrong foot considering that they sucked last year, right? I don't think I would have been jumping all over them if they were, they did their job last season. I wouldn't. But the Red Sox have finished twice the last two years in last place. That's got to change. The team has spent big money on pitching, okay? You need a better attitude from these guys. But more importantly, you need that to translate to better production. And that's why we wanted the better attitude. Now, here we are in late March with Pablo Sandoval being someone who is now going to be sidelined day-to-day with back tightness. And people are saying, oh, it's because he's overweight. And you know what? You might be right. You might be right. No one's denying the fact that that the team lied about the 17% body fat. But people are now, what I'm seeing and hearing is people are getting into, oh, he's out a couple days with a back injury. This is the spot. Travis Shaw comes in, steals the job. Pablo's out. He's the odd man. I'll get him out of here. And I'm, I'm not doing that yet, okay? I'm not doing that yet. I still think as much as we knock them, at some point we got to get over that and get into the regular season. Like, I just need regular season baseball. I'm not getting into the <sighs> take Pablo out. He misses a couple games, back injuries, fat, he's done. Not, no, I'm not doing that yet. What if he really hurt his back? I mean, it seems like he did. And what if it really is his day-to-day? Like, what if Sandoval's back next week and and he's ready to go? And what if he begins the season on a 10-game hit streak? I mean, you think that's not possible? I think it's possible. So let's... I'm going to pump the brakes on seeing this injury and thinking that uh, he's out. He's out of the lineup. He just worked his way out because he got hurt. One thing I don't do is when guys get hurt, question it. Like, I have a tough time doing that. A lot of people try to do that with Shane Victorino. 
and he didn't play because he had hamstring tightness. And I'm like, well, what are you asking him to do? You ask him to run around the outfield. And, 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 and if he can't do it, he can't do it. And people say, well, in my, my work, you know, if I, was, if I was hurt, I'd show up to work. Well, you can still do your job when you're injured. This is professional baseball. If a guy can't run around the outfield and make plays, I mean, why, why would you throw him out there when you got another guy who's a major league ball player who could be out there instead of him and give him a couple days to rest? I don't go after the injury stuff as much as some people do. And with the Sandoval thing, yeah, it's clear. Like, the guy is not in the best of shape. Maybe this factored into it, but maybe it didn't. I mean, there are some guys who are in pretty good shape that suffer back injuries when they dive for a ball. There are guys who suffer bad in- back injuries when they swing the bat who are in phenomenal shape, who have 5% body fat. So, I mean, I'm going to wait and see on this injury. I'm not going to tell you that Pablo's out and it's over and they gave up on him and they're coming out with these quotes that say, well, it doesn't matter what you get paid. Uh, it's a competition. Anybody can play. The salary is, uh, means nothing to who's in the lineup. I can tell you what. The salary means who's in the lineup, right? Like, it means something. Let's, let's not, uh, I, I, I'm not going to believe everything that comes out of the mouths of people on Yaki Way. The salary means something. I do think Sandoval will be in there. On opening day, unless unless there's some DL stint, and maybe there is, but right now I'm gonna pump the brakes on you know knocking a guy who just got hurt, and 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 maybe calling for his head and saying get Travis Shaw in there. I like Travis Shaw, but I I still don't think that I still don't think that I'm ready to pull the plug on Sandoval. As much as I've knocked the guy and I've knocked him a lot, I'm I'm not. I've told you even when I knocked him, I said I'm not. I'm not shipping him out of town just yet. Hanley was a different story because he's playing first base and I just thought it would never be able to happen and I still have major questions and I still see it as being some type of disaster. I really do, even though they're telling us it, it looks pretty good. But, um, you know, I'm, if, you, if you've committed to this point, you've committed to this point, okay? And if he's healthy enough to go on opening day, Sandoval should go on opening day. But other injuries in the Red Sox I think should concern you more and that's with the pitching staff. We know about Eduardo Rodriguez. He's going to begin on the DL. I don't think that's the worst thing in the world because you're going to have to give him some time off at some point this year anyways because there's going to be an innings limit on him and I think he has the ability to be the number two starter in this rotation. So if you're going to give him that time off, give it to him now. Uh, You just hope that doesn't, that leg injury, it's a knee, right? Doesn't You hope that doesn't turn into anything serious. Carson Smith, forearm tightness, not a good... You don't like to hear that. I don't like hearing that. They're going to start him on the DL, and that's fine. That's what you should do. Don't don't play around with forearm tightness. It sounds like they're not going to do that. That's a good thing. But it's still a guy that you're missing. Guy that you went out and acquired, and now a guy that you're missing to begin the season. Now we're talking about Koji Uihara general soreness. They went out and got Craig Kimbrell, and that's a great move. I loved it. But you also wanted Koji. If you weren't going to trade him, you wanted him to be part of this bullpen. So if you're missing Carson Smith and Koji, we'll see what happens to Koji. It's general soreness. He's a 40-year-old dude. Um, We'll see where general soreness with him takes you. There were times now last year, uh, last couple years, that did not look good with Koji, and a lot of it had to do with injury. 
so we'll, we'll see where he is at this stage of his career, and that might be a bad thing too. So the Red Sox, if you're going to be concerned about injuries, I'd be more concerned about the injuries with the pitching staff more so than someone like Sandoval because, again, let's wait and see on the Sandoval thing. He might not be out too long, and they might just be taking every precaution right now to make sure he gets his rest. So there's a look at Major League Baseball. I'm just ready for regular season. It cannot come soon enough. And as I wrap this show up, I told you there's always a story that comes right after I'm done recording or right at the end. Breaking news in the NFL. A little breaking news here. And that is RG3 is going to the Cleveland Browns. How about that? RG3 going to the Cleveland Browns. There were rumors that maybe Colin Kaepernick could be going there. Rumors that, in fact, there were rumors that Kaepernick wanted to go there, which I don't know why you'd want to go to Cleveland. RG3, different story. You're just looking for a place to start. You're looking to, to put that clipboard down. You're looking, forget that. You're looking to get back in a uniform. He wasn't even dressing for the Redskins. He was in street clothes, okay? He was in a jumpsuit. RG3, if you're RG3, you look yourself in the mirror, you go, I'm too good to be holding the clipboard in a jumpsuit, right? I can at least be a backup. But if you're RG3, I think you're not just trying to be a backup, you're trying to be a starter. And Cleveland would be the place to make that happen, or at least go out and win that job. I think it's a good move for RG3. Is it a good move for the Browns? You know, what's what's the risk if you're Cleveland at this point? You haven't had a QB. You just got rid of Manziel. Um, I, I I say, okay, go ahead, make it happen. Why not? This is sort of, if you're Cleveland, if we can't get someone like Kaepernick, Kaepernick if it's going to cost us, you know, an arm and a leg to make that trade, uh, if we're going to have to give, now, I don't know the numbers. I don't know the numbers, to be honest. Um, no, I forget that. I do know the numbers. I'm actually reading the story. I just opened the story. Uh, because I saw it on TV, the TV in front of me, so I, I was looking online as I was talking about this. I just opened the story. I do know the numbers. The deal, RG3 to Cleveland, it's a two-year deal worth $15 million. Now, I don't know how much of that is guaranteed. It doesn't say on the story I'm at. Um, I'm going to say probably the first year is guaranteed. I'm going to go with that, right? So you're looking at seven and a half. Million average annual? That's not bad. That's like, you know, I know it's a lot for a guy. If you want to look at it that way, just in terms of this one play, this one deal specifically, you're like, you're going to pay a guy seven and a half mil who was uh, the third string quarterback last year. Well, again, as much as I don't like RG3, I do think he has potential, at least. You'd like to see you'd somebody. I'd like to see someone take the risk and see what that potential is. Like, can RG three be a decent starting quarterback in this league and give us some flashes of what maybe he showed in college? I'd like to see someone give him a shot. Cleveland's going to give him that shot. If you're RG three, you take it. And and if you look around the league though at some of the deals that quarterbacks are getting, again, the Brock Osweiler. This is a guy that has never played a full NFL season. Signed a $72 million deal. Average annual of 18 mil. Osweiler's average annual of 18 mil is $3 million more than the total deal that RG3 is going to sign with Cleveland. You know, it, it's a even looking at the numbers, it's still a why not deal for Cleveland. Why not? Let's see. And if you're RG3, you jump all over it. I actually like this. 
I like it. I mean, who else are you going to get if you're Cleveland? I mean, right? You got to go out and, like, what's Fitzpatrick asking for? Proven quarterbacks. I mean, Fitzpatrick threw 30 touchdown passes last year. They're looking at deals like Osweiler's. And you look around, and in fact, I missed last week, so maybe Fitzpatrick, did he sign? No, he didn't sign with the team. All right, Fitzpatrick's still a free agent. I'm just double-checking. You miss a week, that might be one of the, that might be one of the moves that if, you, if you're in the Dominican all last week like I was, you might miss that one. Fitzpatrick signs with the team. But I, what I'm seeing is he hasn't. He threw 30 touchdown passes last year. You know, his agent must be looking around going, look at all these big deals. I mean, Kirk Cousins, they, he got franchised. What was that, a $20 million franchise tag? Uh, you know, I, I just, if you're Cleveland, what else are you going to do? 15 mil, I bet you half of it's guaranteed, first year's guaranteed. And I don't know how it's broken down, but the two-year $15 million deal, even seeing the numbers, why not if you're Cleveland? If you're RG3, jump all over. Could be the starting quarterback for the Browns. And you know what? With Cleveland, they've been so down and out and terrible. If you're the guy, there's a lot of upside to that. There's upside for both sides. I think there's more upside than there is downside for both RG3 and even the Cleveland Browns with this. Why not? And if there's a team that's going to give him a shot, it would be Cleveland. It should be Cleveland. If there's a team that RG3 would go to, in which he says I want to start, it would be Cleveland. I think it's a good move for both sides. And that's the breaking news. I'm going to close out the show with uh, my picks. I told you I'm going to give you my picks. A Thursday edition because comedian Will Noonan is going to join me in studio tonight to record a podcast, which I will give you tomorrow. So it will be my Friday podcast I'm recording tonight. And it's a, a special edition of pick, Picks Picks. No spreads, just the games. My bracket, NCAA tournament. I was unable to fill one out, but I printed it out with the Sweet 16 set. And I'll, I'll pick it here. I already have it written out. I'm going to tell you who I pick. Um, from the Sweet 16 on to the national championship to my national champion. Hit the music. Oh, that's right. That is the NCAA tournament on CBS Deem. They've made it a little different these days, but this is the older version. I really like this version, so this is the one we're going to go with. Let's begin, shall we? Sweet 16, number one seed Kansas against the number five seed Maryland. I'm going to go with the number one seed, Kansas. Kansas, I won't lie, I'll tease it right now. I'm riding Kansas pretty deep because they're a veteran team. But they got upset last year pretty early by Wichita State. That went on. They got up. They, they didn't make it as far as they, they wanted to last year, as far as they should have, uh, Kansas. They're a one seed this year. You got Uncle Anthony on your side, Wayne Selden Jr.'s uncle. He goes nuts. Obviously, he's not the reason they win, but I just think Kansas is, uh, they, they have too many veterans on that team. They're too experienced, and they're going to beat Maryland. That game is tonight, and actually the whole left side of your bracket, those games are tonight on Thursday night. I'm going to go with Kansas to beat Maryland. Then staying in the south bracket, Three-seed Miami against two-seed Villanova. I'm going with the two-seed in this one. I'm going with Villanova. You know what? I haven't seen much of Miami this year. And, and I heard people raving about them during the season, but I was unable to watch them. I've watched Villanova more. And uh, I'm going to take Villanova, really, for that reason. No other reason than that is I'm going to take Villanova to win that game. Sets you up for Villanova versus Kansas. A one versus two in the Elite Eight. Let's go down to the West, though, before we give the Elite Eight picks. Number one, Oregon versus number four, Duke. I'm going with Duke. 
I've seen too much of Duke this year to know that they do have, you know, you got the kid in Ingram who's going to be, what, the number two overall pick. Uh, Allen has hit you some big shots. I'm going to go, you know, I'm going with Duke. To me, they're a team that, again, one of these teams I've watched more than Oregon. Oregon's a one seed. But I'm going to go with Duke in this one. I'm going to say the fourth seed, Duke, moves to the Elite Eight. Then, Texas A&M, the three seed. They almost lost in the last game to Northern Iowa. The historic comeback. They will play the two seed, Oklahoma. Buddy Heald and Oklahoma. I'm sticking with Oklahoma, the two seed. Oklahoma's going to beat Texas A&M. They'll go up and they'll finish the job. Something Northern Iowa couldn't do. Sets you up with a four seed, Duke, versus two seed, Oklahoma, in the Elite Eight. Let's jump across the other side of the bracket to the east. North Carolina, the one seed, against the five seed, Indiana. I'm going to go with UNC, really, because this is a one seed over a five, and I'll stick with the one seed here, and that will mean it's Notre Dame, the six seed, versus the seven seed, Wisconsin. Uh, Wisconsin, they have not had the easiest road to where they are now, but yet here they are. Wisconsin, they beat Pittsburgh in the first round. Then they beat the two seed, Xavier. Here they are against Notre Dame. Notre Dame has not had the most difficult uh, run to where they are. They beat Michigan. I think that's a team they should have beaten. Then they beat Stephen F. Austin, a 14th seed, because Stephen F. Austin upset West Virginia. I'm going to go with Wisconsin in this one over Notre Dame. So the seven seed Wisconsin moves on to the Elite Eight. Sets you up for a one versus seven. USC versus Wisconsin in that Elite Eight game. Down to the Midwest. One seed, Virginia versus the four seed, Iowa State. Iowa State who just beat a 12 seed in Little Rock in the second round. Uh, I'm going to go with Virginia in this one. Virginia, the one seed, they move on. They'll beat an Iowa State team that hasn't had the toughest road to the Sweet 16. Virginia goes to the Elite Eight. They will play the winner of the 11 seed, Gonzaga, and the 10 seed, Syracuse. Gonzaga coming off a win over three seed, Utah. Syracuse, uh, they beat a 15 seed in the second round in Middle Tennessee. I'm going with Gonzaga in this one. The 11 seed sets it up for Virginia, the one seed versus Gonzaga, the 11 in the Elite Eight. That's my Elite Eight. Kansas versus Villanova, Duke versus Oklahoma, UNC versus Wisconsin, and Virginia versus Gonzaga. Let's begin in the South. I'm sticking with Kansas. It's a one versus two. It's gonna be a tough matchup for the Jayhawks, but Kansas to me, they're the team. I look at them, I watch them play a couple times this season. You watch them in their tournament. Uh, Kansas to me is the team to beat. They are gonna move on to the final four coming out of the South. They will play the winner of Duke, Oklahoma, a four versus two. Duke the four, Oklahoma the two. I'm sticking with Oklahoma here, Buddy Heald. And the Sooners, the two seed Oklahoma, they will come out of the West and go to the final four to play Kansas. So that will be a one versus two there. And then across the board, UNC versus Wisconsin, a one versus seven. I'm gonna go with the upset here. I'm going with Wisconsin, the seventh seed, to upset UNC, to upset North Carolina. Wisconsin goes to the final four. They will play the winner of Virginia and Gonzaga, a one versus an 11. I'm sticking with Virginia, the one seed. Virginia, they are beating Gonzaga. They'll go to the final four, setting us up for a seven seed Wisconsin versus a one seed Virginia. So there's my final four. Kansas, a one seed. Oklahoma, a two seed. Wisconsin, a seventh seed, and Virginia a one seed. So I have two one seeds in my final four, a two and a seven. Kansas 
versus Oklahoma. Stick with Kansas. This is could be Kansas's year. I'm going with Kansas to win that game then. I'm going to take Virginia, the one seed, to beat Wisconsin. Setting us up for a national championship game on April 4th in Houston between two one seeds, Kansas and Virginia, and the Jayhawks are going to be your national champ. I'm taking Kansas to win it all. Those are my picks for this week on a special Thursday edition of Picks Picks. I'm here five days a week. Get this show at dannypicard.com. Also, subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, you name it. Anywhere podcasts are available. I'm on all forms of social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, Anything else they need to promote? No, I don't think so. Oh, yeah, actually, one more thing. My column in the Boston Metro today, it's in print. It's also online. I've linked it. Make sure you go read it. And uh, once again, Will Noonan, comedian Will Noonan, he is going to join me in studio. We're recording tonight. It'll be available for you to late, late tonight, early tomorrow morning. So enjoy that. And the next time you talk to me by myself, it'll be actually a little update here for my schedule. I'm on WEEI on Saturday after the Red Sox game, I believe, at around 4 o'clock. And then I'm back here in the Beantown Athletics studio next Monday BeantownAthletics.com. Make sure you go and give them a call. 617-282-4181. That's 617-282-4181. Because we got these David Ortiz t-shirts that they're printing out. And they're selling. They're hot right now. They have Big Poppy on the front. On the back, it has his number 34. And it says, thank you on top. It's a t-shirt you got to have if you are ready for the David Ortiz farewell tour, which begins very soon. You can get those at BeantownAthletics.com or again, the phone number 617-282-4181 or swing by the shop here on Granite Ave in Dorchester. I am out. See ya.